Well, years ago, and I want to title my message tonight is, Where is Jesus? And I believe a lot of us, there's been places in our life that we thought, where in the world is Jesus at? We've called for him, and he's not here. We've prayed to him, and he's not showed up. We've done all these things, and we just, where's Jesus? It seems like he's not here. It seems like he's, he's not showed up on the scene. But let me tell you something. He always shows up right on time. I don't think that I've ever, ever preached this message before. I looked in my Bible, and I had it highlighted and marked all up. But God, God really laid this on my heart, this story that we're all familiar with is Lazarus laying in the tomb and Jesus shows up four days late. But let me tell you something. I don't think I've ever preached this before, but I talked to, can you turn me up just a little bit because I'll be screaming and I won't have a voice. I, I, I don't think I've ever preached this before, but I had my Bible all marked up and and. I asked Sister Maggie, because she always keeps a, a, a record of everything I preached. I said, I'm going to have to get you to go back and see if, if I've preached this before. And she said, no, you haven't. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 11 and verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and his, her sister Martha. It was Mary that which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. I want you to remember that. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, and he abode two days still in the same place where he was, Verse 7 says, Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. And verse 8 says, And his disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and thou goest thither again. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. Verse 10, But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things saith and he, and after that he saith, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. And I want to stop there reading. And they begin to question Jesus. And, and, and they, you can be seated. They, they asked Jesus, they said, you, you say that he's asleep, but Jesus said, No, he, he's dead. He, I'm just going to break it down and put it real simple. I'm going to put it in Floyd County terms for you. Lazarus is dead but we're going to go show up. I, I, I remember a time in my life and that, that I thought that Jesus was supposed to show up, and I'd had a lot of problems going on in ministry, and, and Marla and Renee and Brother Ron, he's been with me for umpteen million years, it seems like, but they know the, the struggles that we would went through in ministry, and I, there was one point in my life, and I don't know if I've ever said this here or not, there was one point during that time uh, I had applied to get a job. I wanted to, uh, to be the transportation director, and, and uh, 
I had all these things coming up, and I really believed in my heart that God was going to give me this job. I, I just felt like it was where I was going to be. It felt like that this is where God wanted me, and I applied for that job, and out of complete humiliation, I didn't get the job. And Sister Kay, somebody told me one time, they're like, I can't believe you even applied for that job. Uh, you, you're not even qualified for it. You've got to have a college degree. You've got to have this, and you've got to have that, and and, and I didn't get the job, and, and, and they made fun of me because I even applied for it. And so I got a wild hair. I, I, I decided I'm not going to pursue what I wanted to do, and, 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 and I done what I thought was right. I really felt in my heart that this is where God wanted me. And the current person in that job had been there for 20 or 30 years. And then they give it to somebody else who wasn't going to retire anytime soon. And then there I was, and I thought, well, it's all hopeless. I've just missed God. I'm, I'm going to go do something else. So I decided I got the wild hair. I'm going to go into law enforcement. And I, I went into law enforcement, and I became a 911 dispatcher, and I worked there for three years. Then I got involved in the rescue squad, and I, and I really liked that. I really enjoyed running calls and and the more I did it, the more I got involved with that, the less that I wanted to do with God because I was upset with God. You know why? Because everybody that I had associated myself with in ministry had turned their back on me at some point. There'd been a lot of people that done me wrong, a lot of people that turned around and stabbed me in the back, and I was kind of aggravated, and it left me thinking that church people was fake. And I really believed that. There was a time, and I know I've told you all this, that I hated coming to Walton Church. I did not want to come to this church. I didn't want to have anything to do with this church. I, I despised church people. I had just left a church, uh, and, and really I didn't want to go to church anywhere. The only church that I really cared about was one over in Floyd, and it was a brethren church. And let me tell you something, Sister Gail, <laughs> I'm not a brethren. I'm Pentecostal to the core. And I, I, I was frustrated with everything. And let me tell you what happened to me. There, there's a calling on the inside of me that God was compelling me, but I was rejecting the calling that was on my life. And, and, and I was pushing back, pushing away that calling, and I started uh, getting involved with everything within the county and everything and putting myself into all this. And I found myself on a rescue call one night. I'll never forget this. <laughs> I walked in the door. And they said, you're the preacher. We need you to pray for us. We said, well, that, that's not in protocol. Matter of fact, I, one person prayed for somebody on the rescue squad. I mean, that was running calls and they laid hands on them. And, and they got ridiculed for it and got punished for it. And but the, the, you see what I'm talking about? There, there was a, a, a tug of war going on in my spirit, and I was on this rescue call, and I, and, I, and, and I guess the only way that I can put it to you is just simply this. The reason that I went into that is because I wanted to help people, and I felt like if I could help them physically, that coped 
my walk to help them spiritually. Does that make sense? I felt like if I could get there and work on them and help them and bring them back to life, and, and, and I did that. I've done all those things. But, but there was another reaction that was happening on the inside of me, Brother Ron, is I didn't want to do CPR, but I wanted to lay my hands on them and proclaim life back into them. And I had this war going on in my spirit. I don't know why I'm saying this, but this is just why that I've never preached this before. But I, I really felt and I remember thinking this one day that if I helped them physically, that would help me cope with trying to not do what I'm supposed to do spiritually. I remember years ago I went to a youth, I was just a teenager, I went to a, a youth service and 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 I didn't know these people. We just got invited there, and, and there was a young girl, and, and all of a sudden she had a seizure, and she fell out into the floor, and, and they had, she had what's called a grand mal seizure, and those last for quite a long time. And I, and I, I seen her there, and everybody started gathering around her. And, and, and like I said, I didn't know these people from Adam. I didn't know anybody in there. And I walked up to her, and just out of instinct, being in church all my life, being in the presence of God, all the time, I, I walked right up to her, and I reached around everybody, and I'll never forget, and I laid my hand on that little girl's head, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I speak peace to you, be still, and as soon as I said that, I watched God touch that girl, and instantly, she just calmed down. I'll never forget, she looked at me, and she said, I'm hungry. I said, we can get you something to eat. What do you want, chicken? I don't know why I said that. She said, I'm hungry. Let me tell you something. God's got a calling on us. God's got a certain purpose for us. And so many times we run from that calling because people's done us wrong. Things happen in our life. We run from that calling. Like I ran to the things. Of the world. Ran to different things. Trying my best. I told you one time. I was in Colorado. And I was not living right. I was so far away from God. I was in a hotel room. Had my back against the wall. And when I was laying there in the hotel room. I could hear people singing outside and it was a youth group in Colorado and they were singing a song and God was convicting me so much and he was drawing me so much I couldn't stand it. I was miserable and I just sat there and I wept and cried. Those kids, they was actually in another building and they were singing so loud and it was coming through my room. I literally thank God just took the sound and brought them and put them in my room where I was at because I could not get away from the presence of God. And, and all this stuff, it pulled me away from God, but there was a calling in me. See, I thought Jesus was late. I thought Jesus wasn't going to show up. I thought that everything that I'd put my heart and soul into was over with. And this was years ago. I remember the prosperity gospel that everybody preached, and I believe in God prospering us and different things, but I had it been preached to me so much, and by now I should be a millionaire riding around in a Learjet, and God can still do it. I believe it, but, but I was left hurting. Do you see what I'm talking about? I was 
tugging with God. I, I was trying to find myself in the ministry. I was trying to find myself in my place where I should should have been. I thought that Jesus had left me. Oh, but let me tell you something. I found out uh, oh, that it's not about the money. It's not about the people. It's not about any of those things. But there was one night that I got filled with the Holy Ghost in Metazadan, Virginia, in a little garage church. I'll never forget a little old lady laid her hand on me when I came in from work. I showed up probably during the altar service. She laid her hands on me. She said, those that come in at the 11th hour, God's still going to move on them. I'll never forget. I walked up to the altar and they laid their hands on me and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. They had to carry me out of that church. There was a preacher there that I loved so dearly but yet, even in my walk with God, he walked away from God, running around with women and different things, all this bad stuff. And But there was something that happened to me that night in that garage church that kept drawing me to God, that kept pushing me to God. And I, I thought that Jesus was late. I thought that he wasn't going to show up. I thought that he left me. He promised me all this stuff and that he just left me by myself. And I know that a lot of us have thought that we've been promised and God's give us things and, and we haven't seen it come to fruition yet and we've got disappointed at God. We've got disappointed at church. We've got disappointed at different people. But honey, just hang on. He's going to show up. You just you bet, bet your bottom dollar on it. God is going to show up and he's going to move. Let me tell you something. I begin to get involved in the rescue squad and I begin to get involved. And even though I took my own path and even though I went and done my own thing and, and got involved in law enforcement, I had every intention of being a law enforcement officer. That was my goal. That's what I was going to do. And I, I, had, I had the course laid out. I had the plan laid out. That was where I was going. I went to the police academy. That's, that's where I was going to put my name because I was tired of ministry. I was tired of the different. I didn't get the job that I wanted. I didn't get any of these things that I thought that God had promised me. But let me tell you, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's something about when you wait on God. Oh, I wish I'd have really known that back then. I, wish, I wouldn't have went through half of the stuff that I went through. Oh, yeah, I'm happy I went and done rescue. And I'm happy that I went and done law enforcement I still do it to this day I love it oh it's a good thing but let me tell you something I found myself standing in Hardy's one day uh, I was getting ready to go to work uh, we'd been in the middle of an election season let me tell you something if you've ever worked in a place of government where it's governed by politics and I mean your next boss could be elected from somewhere else it's miserable Working in law enforcement and having a boss that could be elected by the people, somebody you don't even know, come in and change everything, it's miserable. And we was in that transition, and I was frustrated. See, even the choices that I made wasn't working out. And, and it was just everything was falling apart in my economic life, so to speak. And, and I'll never forget, God's always on time. I was standing in heart. He's going to get me a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. And I, I was standing in there, and the school superintendent walked in, and he said, how you been doing? I said, good. He said, uh, you like your job? And I said, yeah, it's all right. He said, you want to leave it? I'll never forget him telling me that. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, um, give it just a few months. A certain somebody's going to retire, and I want you to put your name in it. I think you'd be a good candidate. 
Buddy, I walked out of there with my bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit about three steps higher than what I walked in. Wouldn't just a few months later, I put my name in for the job. Everybody put their name in for the job. People with degrees, people that had a lot more intelligence than I could ever think about having. But God had a plan. They said, oh, you'll never get it. You, you don't have the credentials. Most people that have my job have bachelor's degrees or master's degrees and all that stuff. And some of them have doctorates. And, and, and guess what? God put me in that position. Now, let me tell you something. Right then, I realized that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. See, I thought Jesus was late. I thought that he wasn't going to show up in my life. I thought that he'd left and forgotten about me. But, honey, he'd not forgotten about me. Oh, he said that he'd never leave us nor forsake us, but yet that he'd go with us to the ends of the world. Now, Jesus, Mary and Martha sent for Jesus. They, Lazarus was sick. Uh, he, he, was, he was laying there. He, he was going to die. It was destined for him to die. There, there was no hope. And I believe that a lot of us are in that situation right now that there, it seems like there's absolutely no hope. I had a, a, a young lady call me the other day, and their whole family, I'm telling you, their whole family is, is in bad, bad situations right now. I mean, the worst thing that could possibly happen to them happened to them. And she, I'll never forget what she asked me. She said, how can we serving God go through this? How come God let us go through this? And she said, I don't understand. And I told her, I said, sis, I don't understand why God lets us go through all these things, but I know I'd rather go through it with him than without him. I'd rather go through all this mess with God than without him. And I know this, and just in my past that I've known God, just the years that I've been with him, if I'll hang on to him, he'll always come through. Mary and Martha, they sent for Jesus. We know where to go, don't we? We know when things start happening, we go to, we run to God. We get down on our face and we cry out to God and, and we beg and plead and, and it, He's not coming. It just seems like we, we don't hear no answer. Now, I love the times when, when, I, when I pray for something and God answers it just like that. I love the times when I pray and, and, and I read the word and, and I say in, in the name of Jesus and it happens right then. I, I've seen people get healed just right then. I'll never forget one night I was doing a revival up here and, and, and they brought a little baby and, and I can't even remember the little baby's name. It was Lisa's little baby and they brought the little child up here and, and the, the the little thing couldn't hear and, and it had respiratory problems and it was on oxygen and God dealt with me to pray for that baby and I prayed for that baby and the next day they called and said that baby had been healed, that the baby passed the hearing test, the baby was taken off the oxygen. They said that it couldn't be like that for years, but God done it right then. I love it when those things happen. I love it when people get healed and when God moves. But there's a time and a place that we're going to have to walk with God when things get hard, when faith is going to have to be present. And it seems like God is a million miles away. And, honey, I'm going to be honest with you. I know what it's like when God seems like he's a million miles away and you're all by yourself and there's nobody to talk to and there's no worship team 
pushing you along and there's no preacher saying, oh, you can make it, you can, you can, you're going to be all right, keep going. When all those elements are not present and you're sitting there by yourself uh, and, and then all these scriptures start coming forth. I remember just a few years ago that I had to tell myself, Paul, you remember when you were preaching just a a year or two ago, and you said if everybody else walks out that you would still serve me. I had to tell myself that we got to be like David sometimes and encourage ourselves in the Lord. Say, listen, buddy, you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. They sent for Jesus, and that's what we do. We send for Jesus, and he waits two days to even leave. He waits there in Judea. And then he says to his disciples, let's go. Now you can imagine Mary and Martha where they're at right now. Lazarus is done dead. They're having the funeral. They got all the food. They got all the people there. They're dealing with all this emotion and all this hurt and all this pain. And, and, and they sent for the man that they know could make it right. They sent for the man that they know all he'd have to do is speak. And he could make Lazarus whole. Not to mention that Jesus loved Lazarus. Why wouldn't he move for Lazarus when he loved him? Why would he wait two days before he would even leave? Why would he do such a thing? Can you imagine all the emotions that these two women were dealing with? Can you imagine all the, 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 the strife and all the betrayal they was probably thinking and all these different things going through their mind plus planning a funeral plus you know getting all the arrangements laid out. And then one day, four days later, I said four days later, Jesus comes walking down the road. He comes walking down the road. Let me tell you something. I was reading this last night. I'm waiting on the day when Jesus comes walking down my road. Oh, he's here. Let me tell you something. I'm going to say that again. I'm waiting on the day when he comes walking down my road. Oh, he's, I've seen him show up before, but I'm just waiting on him. Oh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles and soar. Let me tell you, I'm waiting on Jesus. And I believe just any day he's going to walk around the corner and he's going to move. He's going to do a thing in my life. And I believe he's going to do a thing in your life too. Oh, somebody say amen tonight. Y'all getting awful quiet on me. Make a Pentecostal preacher scared to death. Let me tell you something. I refuse to let the devil take havoc over my life. I refuse to let storms take control of my life. I refuse to let things dry up and die. I'm just going to stay out by the roadbed and wait for Jesus to come by. Oh, there's something powerful in waiting on the master to come by. There's something powerful about knowing, oh, if you'll just stay right there, he's going to show up. Oh, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forget about your wants. He's not going to forget about your needs. He's not going to forget about all those things that he's promised you in years past. Oh, he's not left you, honey. He's not just thrown you to the curb and said, I'm done with you yet. Let me tell you 
something in ministry. We don't retire. We don't give up. The calling is not over with. God's got a purpose and he's got a plan just like he had for Lazarus. And he shows up one day. I'm waiting on that showing up day, aren't you, Marla? I'm waiting on Jesus to show up and walk right into y'all's life. I'm waiting on God to show up and walk right into your life. I'm waiting on him to show up. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be good. I told you last weekend he showed up when I was going down the interstate in my Mustang. I can't help it. I get excited. I begin to talk to God and begin to study about heaven. And then all of a sudden he just shows up right in my car. And I had to pull over at the Flying J truck stop. I pulled into the parking lot, Brother Ron, crying my eyes out. It was so real, I thought he was going to open the door and get in. I didn't realize it, but he was already in the car. Let me tell you something. I know that he's got a plan. I know that he's got a purpose. Oh, he didn't bring me this far to just to leave me. Listen to me. He didn't bring you this far just to leave you. He cares for you. He's got a plan for you. Oh, yes, I've laid in the bed at night and yelled at God and blamed him for all the things that I was going through. A lot of it was my fault. Some of it I believe he let happen in my life. Oh, but it's not about me yelling at him. And Oh, he just sat back and listened to me. Oh, but he's going to come walking down the road one day. Jesus came walking down the road and he met Martha and Mary. And I like what both of them said. They said, Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Let me put it in Floyd County terms for you. Where have you been? Where in the world have you been? If, if, if you would have showed up, none of this would have ever happened. And how many has ever been in service after we've been to hell and back and it seems like everything's falling apart and we get to the altar and God just consumes us and we fall down on our face and we're crying out to God and, and it's the God thank you for showing up but Lord if you'd have just come a few days earlier God if you'd have just showed me this earlier I wouldn't have had to walk through what I've walked through let me tell you something let me give you some good advice it's okay to walk through some of the things that you've walked through and dealt with some of the things that we've dealt with, it's going to be okay. I had a lady tell me, and I'll tell you who it was. It was Sister Kathy Jones, precious lady in our church, and she stopped me Wednesday night, and she said, I got to tell you something. What she was going to tell me was just a little word of wisdom, but actually I took it as a compliment. She says, you're a lot better preacher than what you used to be. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, you've gotten a lot deeper. And she said, I don't mean to tell you this to sound wrong or crude, but all the stuff that you've been through here lately has made you better. A lot, All the stuff that you've went through here lately has made you real. Oh, let me tell you something. When she told me that, Brother Renee, it set us fire inside of me. Oh, that just burnt inside of me when she told me that. Oh, I know it was awful and grotesque and different things going wrong, but I'd rather be real than fake any day. I'd rather God be on my side than just blowing by my way and doing anything that I wanted. Oh, I'd rather hear the voice of God. If it causes me to walk through trials to hear God's voice if it causes me to put my nose to the grindstone a little bit to hear God's voice I'd rather go that way than to have it made amen 
there's nothing wrong with having it made. There's nothing wrong with God blessing your life. Oh, but there's nothing wrong with walking with God through the fire sometimes. I'd rather listen to a preacher. I'd rather listen to somebody whose life has fallen apart than any had it made somebody preacher any day. I'd rather walk with God, oh, and hear his voice than to have it made and not know his voice. I'd rather know how to call on his name when everything falls apart than to have it made and not even know what it is to call his name. The two sisters knew how to call his name. They knew how to call his name. Yeah, they got a little disturbed. They got a little uh, uh, aggravated when he didn't show up right on time. But who don't get aggravated with God sometimes? Who don't get frustrated with God sometimes? Oh, there's been times. uh, Oh, listen to me. When I was in India, sick as a dog, puking my brains out over a toilet, telling why in the world have you got me here? (laughs) I'm supposed to be in Nashville singing somewhere. Oh, but let me tell you something. I'd rather be overseas somewhere preaching the gospel, listening and hearing his voice than being famous somewhere. They both said, well, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus said, where have you laid it? (laughs) Let me tell you something. Don't be surprised when God starts seeking out your problem. Oh, can I preach right here? Is it okay? When I was going through all my junk, let me tell you what, Brother Rod, this surprised me more than anything. When I was dealing with all my troubles and all my pains, God took his finger and he started beginning and putting it in my heart. And he began to stir me and he began to pull this out and he began to pull that out and he began to show me things that was problems that I had. And I'm thinking, God, all them's the problem. Lord, all, look at all what they've done. And he said, no, we're going to work on you. We, we're going we're gonna to focus on you. And he, he started taking his finger and he put it in my spirit and he began to pull this out. And he says, you need to work on that. Let me be real with you. He said, you need to work on your temper just a little bit. Oh, you need to work on your faithfulness just a little bit. Oh, you need to pay attention more. You need to do this and you need to do that. Oh, he began to work on me. Oh, that was hard. Let me tell you something. When God begins to pull different things, when he begins to say, where have you laid your junk at? Are y'all ready for that? Raise your hand. How many is ready for God to point out your problems? Uh Uh-oh. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I'm going to read that again. That's good. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. There's something that happens when Jesus comes to you. And he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And you are going to live. You are going to carry on. You're not just going to dry up and die here. You're not just going to fall down by the wayside here and I'll not notice. But you're going to keep going. He's going to, he, he might show up late. He might get there and he might begin to start working on, where, where did you lay this? What, what's going on here? So, yeah, he knows. He knows. But he likes to ask us, well, what's going on here? And he begins to take his finger and he begins to move and he begins to work and he begins to pull out all those things, 
Oh, I remember laying in the floor crying out to God like a big baby, just pitiful as all could get out. Lord, I'm just... I mean, laying in my living room floor, Sister Gail, Lord, I'm just miserable. God, I get so angry. Lord, I get so frustrated. Lord, I've said this verse probably a million times the last two years. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Oh, you don't know the times that I've went to preach and prayed that over myself. God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, oh God. Lord, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to walk in this. God, I don't want to be like this. This is not who I am. You didn't create me to be this way. God said, yeah, now we're getting somewhere. See, he's, he's making his way closer and closer to your tomb. He was making his way closer and closer to my tomb. I remember I was at Myrtle Beach on a family vacation and my sister, bless her little heart, God's dealing with her. She she didn't have, want nothing to do with God for a while, could play the drums and, and all of a sudden while she was on the military base, her husband was overseas fighting and she was on the military base and started getting in church and matter of fact, unknowingly she got set on fire for God and I mean I didn't know what to do with her when she come back and you take Somebody's been in ministry all their life, and, and we're riding down the road, and she's in my car, and, and we're, we're, we're going up the strip of Myrtle Beach. Now, listen to me. i had been waiting all year to go cruising in my car. There's one thing you don't mess with is Mustang tires. I was cruising, and she wanted to go with me. I said, we, we're going up the strip. About halfway up through there, you know what she started telling me? Stuff that Jesus wanted to work on me about. I got so mad. I didn't want to talk about Jesus. I wanted to cruise. She said, you've got hatred in your heart. I'm going to be honest. You know how you find a preacher you can't talk about? It's the one that tells everything. So I'll just tell you like it is. I had hate in my heart so bad. And I ain't going to tell her this so y'all don't tell her. She said, you've got hate in your heart, and it's not right for you to get up and sing and preach with all the hate in your heart. Oh, man, it made me so mad. I wanted, if, if I could have drug her out of that car. See, Jesus stuck his finger. He's wanting to know where Lazarus was at. He's wanting to know where all that hate, all that pain was at. I was so mad I didn't even talk to her all the way home. She said, I love you, and I said, just don't even talk. You know what my exact words to her? I said, I know about hate. I could quote you any scripture in the Bible about hate. Don't talk to me about it like I was some big somebody. I got, she got out of the car, and I started heading back home. And I know the Bible, and I know what she said was right, and I know what come next. I had to repent. I said, Lord... Forgive me for having hate in my heart. God, obviously you thought it was enough to bring up and make me matter in a wet hen. Now God, do something about it. I don't know what to do with it. I'm so angry. I'm telling you, there's a lot of church people that I didn't care about right then. A lot of people done me wrong. See, God was raising Lazarus from the dead in my life. He was putting his finger in my spirit, Sister Gail, and he was moving in me, and I didn't know what to do about it. 
old, but I remember one day I finally just give up. I couldn't take it no more. I was so angry. Yeah, I was still going to church. Yeah, I was still going through the motions, but God was dealing with me. He said, where have you laid him? And finally I just told him, I said, Lord, here it all is. God, take it all. God, this is all the problems I got. I can't fix it. I can't deal with it. Lord, I'm so miserable. You're going to have to do something about it. Brother Ron, he just swooped down and he took all of that anger and he took all of that junk out of my life. He took all of that hurt and that pain to the point. Oh, my goodness, I didn't plan on preaching all this. To the point the other day, I was at a funeral. And I seen somebody that I didn't quite like. Matter of fact, I couldn't stand him. And you even warned me. Because Brother Renee knew. Brother Renee said. And I had a choice to make. I marched my little self right up in that church house. And I walked up and I said, I want you to know something. I love you. And I want to know how you're doing. That took a lot of, mm. but the more I began to talk, the more God began to just let it all come out. He was wanting to know where Lazarus was at by the way. I want to ask you a question tonight. Let me tell you, when I studied yesterday, I didn't have any plans to say what I'm doing right now. But are you going to let Jesus know where Lazarus is in your life? He knows already. But he likes it when you tell him. But you said, God, if you'd have been here, I wouldn't have went through this. <laughs> God, if, if you would have just been here four days ago, we wouldn't have been going through this. But now he's here. Jesus, they said, well, he's in the tomb over there. Jesus walks up to the tomb and the Bible says that he wept. And he began to feel all the pain. Let me tell you something. Jesus was walking in the flesh during that time. So he felt things and dealt with things just like what me and you do. And he knows. And I can guarantee you this one thing. That what you deal with, God deals with. The, the, the hurt that you deal with, he deals with. The pain that you deal with that nobody else understands, that only you feel like that only you know, he understands. It's just like I told that little girl the other night that was going through all the junk that she was going through, bawling her eyes out, Sister Gail, wanting answers to know why God allowed this to happen to her. I mean, she was looking at me. I didn't even have the answers. I just grabbed her and I gave her a hug and I said, Sis, it's going to be okay. What happened to her was wrong. It was wrong on every level. And I wished I could go and fix it for her, but I can't go and fix it for her. And she wanted to know why Jesus didn't show up. I know he didn't show up right then, but I know he's going to show up. Jesus looks at the tomb and he says, Roll away the stone. How many knows we got stones over our tomb, over our junk, over our pain? We got all this. 
When you th- listen, when you think God's went deeper, then he just goes a little bit deeper. When you think he's done, then he gets out the drill and he goes deeper. When you think he's done, done enough surgery, he goes deeper. And then he pulls out a needle about this long, and then he goes deeper. And then after that, he goes deeper. And then after that, he goes deeper. And he cleanses us and purifies us so that we might be real. Church, there's a generation on this earth right now that needs a real preacher. They need a real teacher. They need a real singer. They need people that are real. So God is looking for people that will open up the tombs of their life and say, Lord, here it is. Resurrect this mess. They roll that stone away. And Jesus stands and he prays to the Father. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus was laying dead in the bottom of that tomb. He was wrapped in grave clothes. He was wrapped in death. There's a lot of us wrapped up in death tonight. Stinking. Even one of the sisters said that. They said, Jesus, he's done been here four days and his body stinks. I'm, I'm talking about a lot of us are in situations that... Uh, that, we, that there's no rectifying what we've been. We've done things and choices that, that we think that there's no way God would ever forgive us. Oh, but he will. He'll yell into your tomb, Gail, and say, Gail, come forth. He'll yell into our life, finances, come forth. Healing, come forth. I'm telling you, we serve a God that's real. We serve a God that's awesome. Well, we serve a God. And I, I, there's been many times, and especially over my life, God yelling into me, Paul, come forth, calling out all that junk, calling out all that pain and sin and different things, and he's yelling it out to me, come forth. And it stinks, and it's wrapped in death clothes, and it looks bad, it looks awful. Oh, but when death hears the name of Jesus, listen, when death hears his voice, when, when all your junk hears the spirit of God, life begins to come forth. I said life begins to come forth. Just like when I prayed for that little girl having seizures one day. I knew God was all over me. I mean, that girl was flopping all over the floor. It was awful. And I laid my hand on her, and life came back into that girl. Healing came into that girl. And when God speaks over our life, uh, when he begins to call us forth, there's life that begins to flow. Have you ever been in a place uh, where it felt like you were dead and there was nothing happening, and God begins to move in you? There's been times I've been in services, and God gets to moving and and it just seems like I'm going to explode. I came in there dead but God began to move and bring me to life and I believe that's what he's doing to a lot of people in here tonight. He's speaking life to you and he's saying come forth. And he that was dead verse 44 came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. 
Let me tell you something. There's going to be a loose and letting go day come in your life. You can bet your bottom dollar on it. There's going to be a loose and letting go day in your life. Oh, and the devil's not going to have one clue what to do with you. Let me tell you something. You will make it through this. You are going to get through all these pains, all this anguish, all this confusion, all the hurt, all the turmoil. You're going to get through it. You know why? Because I tell myself that every day. You're going to get through this, buddy. You're going to make it. Don't give up. Don't give up on God. You're going to make it. God speaks Life in the death situations. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Well, I don't know if one of y'all want to come to the piano. Are you going to allow God to be real in your life? I was doing a Sunday morning service in Pulaski. And I noticed while I was preaching, I was wide open, preaching as fast as I could. And it's kind of funny. There was a lady sitting in the service about where Nana's there. And I could tell she wasn't, something was wrong. She was sick. And I kept preaching, and I noticed people started gathering around her. And the more they started gathering around her, I noticed something was seriously wrong with her. So I stopped. Rescue started kicking in. I thought, we're going to have to do something with this woman. And I went back to where she was at. And she was disoriented. She didn't know where she was at. She didn't know what. She was just almost lifeless. She was still breathing. And I prayed the biggest Pentecostal prayer that I could ever pray. I laid my hands on her and I proclaimed healing in the name of Jesus. I prayed the hardest prayer that I know how to pray, Gail. I prayed and prayed, and when I got done, she fell over just as dead as dead could be. Now, you want to damper on a service. Now, that right there will do it. But God wasn't done yet. God gave me just a little bit of insight. Her sugar was low. God spoke to me, Alicia. He said, her sugar's low. They kept yelling at me, pray for her, pray for her. I said, I did. Here's the answer. Go get some sugar, cake icing. Go get it. I got that woman to come around. They took her out. And I say that to say this. A lot of you, your sugar's low. Our sugar's low, Marla. We went into a, a state of where we've just stopped with God because He hasn't showed up.
You know, the Lord spoke to me the other day. He said, Paul, when I was at the Flying J truck stop, he said, Paul, I'm coming. See, I'm expecting God to do some things in my life. He said, I'm coming. You just wait. I'm coming. <laughs> I told him, I'm waiting. I'm right here. Flying J. <laughs> I'm waiting on you, God. Church, I can't tell you enough in my spirit. He's coming. And I know he's coming on the clouds of glory one day to come and get us. But that's not what I'm talking about. God's coming to answer some prayers that you've been praying. God's going to show up. And it's just like a preacher told me one time, and I don't know who told me this. But where it ended, and to where we are now, it's like a railroad track. Might have been Brother Angle said that. But when God brings it together, they say when they weld a broken railroad track together, it's stronger there where the weld is than it's ever been before. And I look at God in my life, Brother Ron, and he's taking this end of the railroad track of my spiritual life, and he's taking this end, and he's putting it together, and he's welding. <laughs> oh, he's going to do a new thing. He's going to do a, a great thing. <laughs> 